confuses that. Cannon fuse. What the hell are you use it for? A cannon. In a world where zombies, ghosts, serial killers, and vampires all exist, it's Nico, Brian, Mike, and Dustin. And they are all that stand between you and the films that could end the world. Welcome to the Don't Go Out There Horror Movie Podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to the Don't Go Out There Horror Movie Review Podcast. Just want to thank all our fans and listeners. Really appreciate all the support. You guys are awesome. Uh, before we get into tonight's film, I just want to give a quick shout-out to our website, don'tgooutthere.com. Uh, everything about our podcast is on there. All of our episodes and interviews from episode one to the, the weekly releases. All of our ep- uh, all of our interviews with our these giant horror legends, we got them on there as well. Uh, we have our store, new t-shirts, uh, new apparel. They're awesome. Check that out. Uh, we also have Shan's Etsy page attached as well. She has awesome tumblers if you want to grab one. We've got all of our social media links, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. We're on all of those. Follow us, like us, subscribe us. We love interacting with our fans, meeting new people. Uh, we truly met a lot of great people across the world, and it, it's very humbling to get to know that. And the last thing I want to shout out is our Patreon. We call it Blood Donors. We have the one-time donation if you want to do that. If you're a big fan of a movie and you want us to review it, that option is available. And we also have a monthly reoccurring kind. None of this money goes into our pockets. It just goes directly back into the podcast. Uh, it helps us make a good show, and we truly appreciate all your help because we fully acknowledge times are tough. Uh, tonight is our final film review in Monster Movie Month. It's Brother Dustin's theme, and it's, tonight is Brother Dustin's pick. Dustin, you want to announce your pick and why you picked it? Yeah, so um, I actually picked you know this theme. It was my turn to pick the theme for the month. I picked Monster Movies. And I did it because I wanted to pick this movie. I picked 1990s Tremors. Um, This is a movie that, number one, you come on, don't take it too seriously. Don't look too much into it. Just have fun with the movie. And if you do that, this is a great movie. I remember watching this movie as a kid with my dad. Um, I never never watched any of the sequels. I know that there's, what, like seven of them or so, six, seven, and a a series spinoff. But um Never got around to watching any of those. I mean, I've seen bits and pieces of the sequels throughout the years, but this one, the original one, has always been one of those movies that's kind of like a comfort movie to me. If it's on, it used to come on TNT, I think, a lot, or maybe it was USA. It used to come on one of those channels a ton, and if I was flipping through the channels and it was on, yeah, I'm going to stop and watch it. So um, I picked this one because I've it's honestly been on my list to pick for you know as long as I've been on the show, really, and uh, so I thought, you know, it's time to do it. Let's let's get it. All right, I'll go next. Uh, Dustin, first time I ever watched this movie was a few months ago, and honestly, I was underwhelmed. Uh, I really didn't know what to expect going into it. Um, but I will say after the rewatches for this review, I like this movie a lot more. I think it's actually really funny, and it's very entertaining, and it's got a, it's got a great charm to it. Yeah. Uh, I really enjoy it, and I agree 100% with you, Dustin. You can't take this movie too seriously. And you don't really need to watch this movie, in my opinion, as a a true monster movie because it's more about this these great characters and their bond, their like Earl and Val's relationship together is hilarious. Uh, Bert and Heather, they're great. I mean, it just it's just got a great ensemble of characters, and that's truly the highlight. And I hate to be Dustin, but I'm gonna be Dustin right now. I don't. It's kind of hard for me to consider this a horror movie per se, like he would say, like with Jaws. Just because of like the the music and the adventure, but it definitely has horror aspects, and I respect it. 
but I will say that after the rewatches, I like this movie significantly more than my first watch. And, and I said last week with uh, Mike, Kevin, and Shan, this is another one of those movies, like we said with The Quiet Place, was a little overdue in my opinion, and uh, I'm glad we finally reviewed it. Brian, what you think? Absolutely. Uh, so Tremors has been one of those movies that I've always liked a lot. Um, now two and four are bearable, but the rest of the franchise isn't very good in my opinion at all. But I've always had a special place in my heart for this first one, too. Um, it's just one of those throwback monster movies that has a, a very tight, uh, very well-paced screenplay. Um, I saw where one reviewer on YouTube said it was perfect, a la Ghostbusters. Now, whoa, whoa, pump your brakes a little bit. I mean, it's good, but Ghostbusters is perfect. Anyway, this is definitely very comparable to Jaws, in my opinion. Almost to the extent of being called like Jaws on sand, which actually surprises me, given Dustin's opinion of... Uh, on both of them, so um, no, 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 no. I don't know. I mean, I'm pretty. Uh, there's a lot of comparisons. Uh, yeah, anyway, anyway. Know. I'm talking about my my perceived opinion of Jaws. Yeah, I didn't rate it very high because, I, like, I, I, it's kind of like the Beatles to me. You can't say it's the greatest of all time. It's not. It's overrated. It doesn't make it bad, but since it's been shoved down my throat, this is the greatest shit since sliced bread no it's tainted my view on it that's why i rated i'm so harsh on jaws and we only got four minutes of shark in the whole damn movie <laughs> anyway last thing i wanted to bring up most everybody knows blood donor joe swinford on this show she's been on a couple of times one of our very first supporters and fans listen if you don't know joe here's the perfect description of her and her husband earl bassett and heather gummer in this movie reba and fred ward that to a t is Joe and Steven Swinford. Uh, wall rack full of guns, armor, all waiting for World War III to break out. Look, I don't know. Those two are, are these characters, and I'm surprised they weren't based off of them. They're so close. But anyway, love you, Joe. So, yeah, as much as it as it ever pains me to say, <clears throat> hold on, I'm having a little problem saying this sentence, so bear with me. I agree with uh, Sean Irwin. There you go. I got it out. Woo, good. All right, somebody else go because I'm about to pass out from saying that. <laughs> and also, Nico, real quick, go ahead. <laughs> you said you have a hard time viewing this as horror. I mean, if you ever need to know, like, is it horror, is it not, just, like, Google the movie and look it up on IMDb, Rotten Tomatoes, all that. It, it's It's got horror in the genre description, so. Oh, I, I know. I'm just, just <laughs> my, my point of view. I know. I'm just being different. Um, y'all got any more opening thoughts before you just jump into the scene by scene? All right, let's go. The film starts with title card and the shot of the desert. Val zips up his pants and walks to his truck and tries to wake up Earl quietly, but then jumps on the side of the truck yelling, Stampede, and Earl falls out the bed of the truck onto the ground. He says he's been in a stampede before, and he gets dressed and lights up a Marlboro Red. Earl asks about breakfast, and they bicker over whose turn it is, so they play rock, paper, scissors, and Val loses. The guys are now putting up barbed wire fences, and Val is terrible with a hammer. They're driving down the dusty roads, and Earl tells Valentine, he never thinks ahead as they discuss their jobs. They see a truck off the road and they drive to her. Rhonda walks up and says she's into seismology. She asks if they know of anybody doing any drilling or blasting because she's getting a lot of strange readings. Earl says he'll ask around for her. They drive away and Earl gives Val hell over the type of women he likes. They pull into Perfection, a town of 14 people. They pull up to Walter Chang's market and they tell Melvin not to throw that basketball against their truck. They sit at the bar with Bert and Heather. Chang says a bearing's going out in the freezer. They don't help fix it, and they leave. 
Back to Rhonda in the desert, and the seismograph begins to pick up an unusual signal as something burrows through the ground. Rhonda escapes, not knowing what just happened. Earl and Valentine take a beer break, and Val says, Nobody handles garbage better than we do. Val says, This is low. We got to set our sights higher. Back to change, and they're pumping the septic tank, and they're arguing. Suddenly, the hose explodes, waste all over them, and Melvin gets a good laugh. The two are cleaned up and packed up as they prepare to leave town. Nancy stops them, and Val says they're leaving for Bixby. Earl asks Mindy what's her count up to on the pogo stick. Nancy says she has a big order for a pottery, and it's at least a month's work, and offers them lunches and beer. They take off and leave anyways. Val is surprised they turned it down. They spot Edgar Deems on a transmission tower. They pull over and yell for him to get down, but he doesn't reply. They play rock, paper, scissors again, and Val loses and climbs up to him, and he finds him dead. Val asks the doctor, what was the cause of death? He says, dehydration. They can't believe he stayed up there and died of thirst for so many days. A sheep herder is suddenly pulled underground as he screams. Rhonda runs to the machine as it goes off. The guys are driving out of town again and pass some road workers discussing Edgar's death. They stop at the sheep pen and see all the dead carcasses. They run inside for old Fred but can't find them anywhere. They find his hat and see his face sticking up out the ground. They drive back to the road workers telling them there's a killer on the loose and get out of here. He's cutting people's heads off. I'm not kidding. The guys are back to jackhammering and he hits a piece of flesh and blood comes up. The jackhammer is pulled away and Carmine is killed off screen as rocks fall on Howard killing him. Melvin is hound dogging Val asking about old Fred being dead. Nestor says they got to get to Bixby and get the police. Val says we waited one day too late to leave as they find the road blocked off from the rock slides. Earl finds the hard hat full of blood and Val backs the truck into the dirt mountain. He finally gets the truck free and Earl says you could break an axle doing that. Mindy spots Val and Earl and Val tells them about the road blocked off. Mindy asks what's that when Bert finds a thing hooked to their truck. Is it a snake or an eel? Bert pries it off with a shovel and says it had to be a strong son of a bitch to stall your truck. Chang and the guys bargain out the price to sell it. Bert says not only one could eat a whole flock of sheep. Val asks if there are more. All right, Brian, that's the opening set of scenes I got. What do you think? Oh, so the first act of this movie is is my favorite. Um, I, I think it does a very good job of, of creating the, the whole buildup, you know, not being boring. And again, like Jaws, kind of keeping that graboid off the camera, which has been a common theme, you know, this whole uh, Monster Movie Month with, with all of them. They pretty much accept Jurassic Park, but um, I think we all agree uh, – you know, keeping it off screen uh, in monster movies is, is kind of the most effective route. Um, you know, whether that's chosen for budget constraints like this one or, or story reasons, but regardless, you know, like I've said numerous times, I'm, I'm a huge fan of that. Um, we just got a, a lot of stuff like set up in this first act, you know, including Valentine uh, standing in the same spot as where it ends, you know, Earl picking scissors every time that they play rock, paper, scissors, um, the noisy Pepsi cooler. And it's just, just tons of other stuff. Because again, this script is so tight with no real wasted time to me. Um, you catch so much more stuff, by the way, on subsequent viewings, uh, props to, to Brent Maddock and SS Wilson on, on the screenplay here. Um, I think the fact that this opens with uh, Val taking a piss pretty much sets the stage here for what kind of movie we're in for. <laughs> so, uh, if you if you're taking it super seriously, that's your own fault. The the movie literally opens with Val taking a piss. So okay, um, which and, and this this I do agree with. 
it is definitely very Ghostbusters-esque in the way that it kind of uses the whole dry humor, but but also sets up a, a very serious threat, like, you know, as well. It's not just a it's not just a scary movie type of thing. It is funny, though. And while I'm on Valentine, he's my favorite character in this movie. I mean, I, I know Earl or Bert or most people's, but I'm a fan of Kevin Bacon's performance. Um, it's pretty well known. I know that Bacon used to, to be pretty embarrassed of this role and wasn't a fan, and but has obviously come back around since since coming back and filming that. Uh, God, it was like a TV series pilot, I think, from 2018. Um, I don't even think that ever got released. I mean, I know he filmed some stuff because we saw pictures and, and some and some stuff. And I know it got canceled. Why it got canceled, I have no idea. But I didn't know if it had actually been like, you know, released to the public somewhere. But and by the way, why would you fucking why would you not do that? Sci-fi? I mean, come, that's ridiculous. Like, why would you not have Kevin Bacon led Tremor series? Fuck off sci-fi. Uh, but yeah, I love Val. It's his cussing. I think that that kind of reels me in. So I'm shallow like that, which, by the way, there were apparently also like as many as 20 F-bombs. So it got an R rating with with, you know, and with the appeal uh, by the producers that cut it all. But like two of them, which I very much so disagree with that decision. I think it would have been even better with all 20, just my opinion. <laughs> um, and his line, you will have long blonde hair, big green eyes, world class breasts, ass that won't quit and legs that go all the way up. Oh, I love that fucking line. Um, and I love that it's the complete opposite, by the way, whenever they pull up and find her super, I think that's a great gag. Uh, Finn Carter, I, I don't know her from anything, but it really helps me personally that she looks like a, a perfect mix of 1980s Kelly McGillis and a 1980s Elizabeth Shue. Like I just, I couldn't get that out of my head. Um, last thing I wanted to say that stood out to me is just like, it's little human moments, like like Earl missing the cigarette in the opening scene, and then you can kind of see a smirk to, to Val. And then you're like, Val's, like you brought up, is missing that staple like eight times when he's hammering it in. Apparently that was a Kevin Bacon spontaneous idea, and Ward's reaction is, is genuine. Uh, but it's stuff like that where you can, you can tell it's genuine, and, and it really helps ground these characters to me. So anyway, I can talk forever on these set of scenes so much, so much in this opening set. Just all right, go ahead, Dust. Yeah, I think it's a uh, it's a pretty effective opening. Uh, first of all, we open up and we're in the Wop Wops. That's right. Shout out to our New Zealand listeners. I know that we're currently number two fourteen podcast on Apple in New Zealand. Let's so go. I looked up some New Zealand slang, and the Wop Wops <laughs> is where we are in this movie. Um, good dynamic here between our main characters. Uh, you you know the he makes in the dialogue with the score and it lets us know the tone. Uh, it's, it's going to be a light and fun movie. And so that's, just, that's the kind of mindset you have to have going in. Um, the disappointment on Val's face when he sees Rhonda is hilarious. Um, because, you know, like you said, he's, he's wants his blonde hair, green eyes and all that. And then it's the exact opposite. I did think it was funny. He's like, I'm a victim of circumstance. And then his rebuttal is, I thought you caught your pecker. Like that's one of my favorite lines in the movie. Um, yes, <laughs> we meet uh, Reba McIntyre's character. Uh, side note, she was my first celebrity crush, I believe, when I was a little kid. Like, we're talking like five, six. I was in love with Reba McIntyre, it was so weird. Um, that show, that show, Reba, by the way, super underrated, underrated, man. Funny oh, yeah. show, love it. Um, Van, one of my favorite characters of Van. all time. <laughs> uh, her, him and Stifler, right at their top two, yeah, right. Um, then uh, we also meet Victor Wong, uh, who's more known to me 
as Grandpa Mori from the Three Ninjas movies. And so it's always fun to see him and stuff. That was cool. Um, I think, you know, our first look at the creature is done well because you get the tension built as Rhonda's unsuspecting and she's just on about her business. The ground's shaking and coming up behind her and she just gets in the truck without ever knowing that she was in danger. I thought that was very well done. Like you mentioned, Brian, I think sometimes in monster movies, uh, that's how you have to do it, especially at the first to kind of build attention and let us know there is a threat without revealing too much. Uh, we get good foreshadowing with Edgar. I like his death because, uh, you know, dying from dehydration so far up on a tower with a gun, it just shows how scared that he had to have been and lets us know that this is a very real threat that we're about to meet. So that was cool. Um, Fred's arm being all destroyed was cool, but, uh, or his farm, I'm sorry, not his arm, his farm being all destroyed was cool and, you know, looked good, but. I ain't gonna lie, that head didn't look the best when they right. first pulled the hat off. Right. I don't know if it's lighting or what, but uh, he kind of looked jaundicey. He had a yellow tint to him. <laughs> but then the second look we get at the at the head, it looked better. I don't know. That was weird to me. But um, overall, man, it's a it's, it's a uh, good set of scenes because, like you said, there's it just it does a good job of establishing the tone. Let us know these characters getting to some uh, you know introduce the dynamic, and I'm in. It's fun. Absolutely. Jim and Megan are packing up for the night as they stare at a beautiful sky. Suddenly, the generator goes off. Jim goes to check it out. He says, it's gone. He pulls on the cord and says, maybe the ground caved in. There's lots of mines. Suddenly, it's spit out of the ground, and they smell a terrible smell. He thinks it's maybe a natural occurrence until he's pulled underground being eaten. He screams for help, but pulled under. We see the tentacle pop out of the ground, and Megan hides inside their car. She knocks over the radio, and these tentacles surround the car. They disappear, and suddenly the car is now being completely pulled under the ground. She turns the lights on and honks the horn, screaming. Walter and Nancy encourage Mindy as they take her picture. Bert says we arm ourselves and stand, and stand guard. Walter Chang says his radio won't reach to Bixby because of the mountains. Heather says the phone's out, radio's out, road's out. We're on our own. Miguel says Walter has horses, and they volunteer Earl and Val to take the trip to Bixby. They play rock, paper, scissors over some guns and Bert and Heather are going to drive around with their guns. Heather gives Earl her high-powered rifle. Melvin runs out with a thing wrapped around its neck. Bert says, you came that close to getting shot, and Earl says, someday, someone's going to kick your ass. They ride off and stop at the doctor's RV. Earl says, the car is gone. We just missed him. But they hear music playing, and they dig with their hands and find the car underground. They take back off on the horses and say, we don't stop. Val asks, what could bury a whole station wagon? The horses begin to panic, and Earl says they got wind of something they don't like. The men are thrown off, and we see the horse getting bitten as Val shoots it. The whole graboid now emerges, and they take off running, and it pursues. They attempt to cross a clearing, but fall below. The graboid burrows into the concrete, and Val yells, Fuck you to it. Rhonda walks up asking, What's that? Earl comments on how bad it smells, and Rhonda says she sees no eyes and says it's subterranean. The tentacles shoot out and grab you and hook you in. Val yells, he found the ass end. We really caught something here. Val says, this is what you had had your graph going off. She looks at her readings and Earl says, Chang ain't getting this for 15 measly bucks. Rhonda says, there's three more of these things as she shows her graphs going off at the same time. Earl yells when he falls into a hole. Rhonda sees the graph going off and the three run and hide out on a rock. They climb up as the grab boy snaps at them. They see how far the truck is and they feel stuck. 
Val says they're mutations or government built them, and Earl says they're from outer space. They must be long gone, Earl says, and Val grabs a piece of wood and taps it on the ground, and the tentacle snaps at it. Rhonda says it can hear every word we make. This rock is a perfect conductor. Nighttime now, and they all have to take care of some business. Rhonda and Val wake up side by side, and she has his jacket on. She thanks him for it, and Earl lights up a smoke. Val throws his shovel on the ground, and yep, the grab boy is still there. Val says, let's make a run for it, and he and Earl keep arguing as Rhonda grabs a wood pole and vaults to another rock. They all begin to vault as Earl asks, <laughs> if he asks Val if Tammy Lynn Baxter did much pole vaulting. They all at the same time jump into the truck bed, and they're immediately attacked. Rhonda dives in head first and cranks the truck up and, di- and drives with her hand. She asks for help as the guys celebrate. All right, Brian, what do you think of the next set of scenes? Uh, yeah, so I meant to touch on this in the last set of scenes, but uh, Ron Underwood's choice to kind of use those shots from like ground level, um, you know, I mean, does it make a lot of sense because they're underground? No, because I mean, their first perspective, you know, kind of like those horror movies, the early horror movies. But that's that brings me to a point. Does it give me Friday the 13th vibes and therefore I like it? Absolutely, yes. Um, something else I wanted to point out last set of scenes, but it's it's really throughout the whole thing is, is the sound design. You know, stuff you you definitely don't see as a kid. Um, you know, how it like exaggerating the stuff like a, a pogo stick bouncing, stuff stuff that would cause the graboids to come, but but you don't know that yet. And just like how one scene will will end and then immediately when it cuts to the next scene, it's one of those like loud, exaggerated sounds. Uh, pay attention to that the next time you watch it, if you, if you hadn't noticed that already. Um, but sound-wise, I'll go ahead and say soundtrack-wise, I mean. Um, I wasn't a big fan of the soundtrack. You know, Ernest Troost is credited with it. Um, and, and I know you probably already completely know that that Robert Folk was brought in later and concluded with, uh, you know, it kind of, with just a hodgepodge really mix between the two of them. But regardless, I don't know. I mean, it's not a big fan. I mean, it's hit and miss to me. So some places it's okay. And I don't know which one of them did which side of it. Um, but overall, I would just say the soundtrack's not really that great for me anyway. Um, now Jim's death scene, look, even Megan's, the effects on the Graboid, the, you know, kind of tentacle, I guess. I, I really love that. I, I think that definitely looks really good, especially since it's basically the first time we see it like that. Um, but, and for the hundredth time, I'm not her actor. Um, and rest in peace to, to Bibby Besh, who passed away six years after this movie, and and, and Conrad Bachman, who, who's in his 90s now at the time of us recording this. Um, but their whole performance here, to me, was just cringeworthy. I mean, respectfully, of course. Uh, their whole scene just, I think it could have been cut. Like, I, I think those those two are definitely my least favorite deaths. Um, also, is there a worse character than Melvin? Like, I kind of wish that Bert would have just shot him, like, whenever he, he acted like he had the snake at him. Um, like, just fucking straight up killed him. Because, I mean, oh, hey. Yeah. I mean, it also would have saved us from from him coming back for Tremors 3. So, it would have saved, you know, all kinds of all kinds of things on different levels. Um and lastly, you know, just just great effects. The first time we see the Graboid in this set of scenes, um, they use a, a lot of uh, kind of mixtures of miniatures and that that full size build that we see a few times throughout. Big shout out to Tom Woodruff and Alex Gillis of uh, Amalag- uh, was it Amalaga- Amalgamatics. I don't remember how you say it. Dynamics Incorporated. But anyway, the art department exclusively model maker David Chamberlain. Uh, that whole team, look, I just think it's really well done with the effects that, like I said earlier, I think they still hold up 30 years later. 
Um, oh, and that that <laughs> I love Bacon so fucking much when he says, "We killed it, fuck you." Oh man, I died. I love it. Yeah. Um, so the creatures. Well, let me let me rephrase. Not the creatures. The tentacles when Megan is in the car. That I, you know, on this rewatch, I was like, man, you know, these don't look great. And that's, I've never really paid attention to whether they look good or not until I'm watching it trying to critique a movie for a score. And I'm like, man, these don't really look great. However, the rest of the movie from that point forward, I thought they looked fantastic uh, as far as, you know, practical effects and uh, what they actually look, the tentacles and the graboids look like. But um, right there, it just looked kind of weird off to me. Um, I thought it was a really cool optic, though. When they dig up the car and the headlights are still on, because you know, as we get the scene of the uh, the shot of the headlights pointing up the sky as the car is being taken under, we see the headlights fade, and then they hear the radio and they they start digging at the ground and the headlights still on. That's really cool to me. Uh, well done. Um, one of the things though that stood out to me in this movie is they really should have cast a much uglier actress to play Rhonda though, because every time you know Val. In the first half of this movie, especially, is look is acting like she's hideous, and she's not. Like I'm not saying yeah. she's dropped dead gorgeous, but she's she's not ugly. And I don't know. That was just <laughs> I thought she did a great job in this movie too. So, the, but for the effect that they, that, have, she had that sunscreen on her nose is almost like how they do in some of those like uh, teen rom com movies where it's like, oh, you've got glasses, and here's the makeover. You take the glasses off, right? It, you're right. You're right. But, but you're a '90s kid like me. Uh, you know what the sun or the uh, um, sunscreen on the nose reminds me of is salute your shorts. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was going to say Revenge of the Nerds, but it's kind of the same thing. Well, yeah, true. But um, so anyway, the uh, this set of scenes is just you know it's a pretty fun set of scenes. There's you get a lot of stuff, a lot of some action going on, and uh, it really advances the storyline. But this is one of those things that like, if you're not, if you're looking at it and you're taking this movie too seriously, then the pole vaulting scene, it's like, come on, how practical is that? There's happen to be those poles laying out here. Right. And she just happens to be able to do that shit. Like some nerdy scientist college chick. She got the upper body strength to do that. I don't know. But, uh, you know, if you're taking it for what it is and enjoying it, then that's pretty fun. Especially when Earl tries to do it his first time and he falls on his ass. He can't do it. And then they do it in unison from rock to rock. So uh, it's a pretty cool scene there. But um, another thing is, man, the the setting, the surrounding of this that this movie takes place in is beautiful. Uh, you know, I know they shot it in California, but we get some really great shots of the uh, of the mountains and the desert yeah. there. And yeah. so, uh, you know, some good atmosphere there, especially for the you know this movie supposedly being a B B movie for what it is. So I I thought it was. Really well done. Good, another good set of scenes, but not my favorite. That that opening was just so strong. We're back to Chang's market, and Val tells him how huge these animals are. Earl asks about Bert and Heather. They ask Rhonda what they call these things. Nancy says someone is bound to check on us once they realize the lines are down and the roads are blocked. Two NevCal tail workers' hard hats are found with blood. Rhonda tells them how they hunt, and Miguel says, what if we don't vibrate? Val says, wake up, they're heading right here. Val says, we have to get out. Nancy says, she's going to get Mindy. Nestor asks, where do we go? Rhonda says, they can't move through rock as Melvin throws a basketball at Earl. Earl throws a basketball back at Melvin outside, bouncing it on the ground. 
Melvin is now dribbling, and the graboid grabs the basketball. They go outside and yell out for him, and they find him on the basketball goal. The graboid emerges, and they all take off in different directions. Chang's market begins to shake, and Rhonda says, no vibrations, as they hear the pogo stick. They yell out for Mindy, and Val runs full speed and tackles her off the pogo stick as we see it pulled underground, then launched back up. Nancy and Mindy run in their home, and Val jumps in their truck bed. Another graboid pursues now as Rhonda gets tangled up in barbed wire. The graboid grabs the barbed wire, and Val hits it with a pickaxe. He tells her to get out of her pants. They both make it back into Chang's market, and Val cleans her wounds. The refrigerator begins to shriek, and they race to unplug it. The graboid emerges from the floor and grabs Chang and bites him and pulls him into the ground. Son of a bitch, Val yells as the graboid continues attacking. Val says they gotta climb through the roof, but the shelves are knocked over and Rhonda is knocked out a window and she runs to a water tower. They yell for Melvin to get on the roof as the outhouse is attacked. They yell out for Nancy to get on the roof. They come through the floor. Bert and Heather are stopped and he can't believe they didn't find any tracks. Heather looks through binoculars and sees everyone on the roof. Bert radios for Walter and Val grabs the radio. Heather tells them they are all on the roof and the graboids head to Bert and Heather as their gun shell polisher kicks on. Val tells them to get on the roof. Bert and Heather get armed and Val says they're underground and dig like a son of a bitch. Tools on the wall begin to fall as it breaks through their wall. The couple opens fire on it, but it won't die. They go to their gun wall and Heather shoots the tentacle that's grabbed hold of Bert. More gunshots, but not effective until Bert grabs the elephant gun. Broke into the wrong goddamn rec room, didn't you, you bastard, he yells. He radios back saying we killed that mother humper. Bert and Heather are on their roof and Val asks if they can kill the other two. He says he can't shoot them through the dirt. Earl begins to tell them the plan and Rhonda calls for them. The grab boy sinks into the earth and Chang's market begins to shake and now Nancy and Mindy's home is shaking. Rhonda yells they can't see us but feel our vibrations. We see Nestor's trailer moving now and it is tipped over. Nestor crawls away and onto some tires, but is grabbed by the graboid. Melvin yells out, you gotta do something. Val says, we're in deep shit over here, and Bert shoots at it again. The graboid attacks the truck and blows its tires out. Rhonda says, the plan hasn't changed. We gotta make it to solid rock. Val says, we need a helicopter or a tank. Earl says, the cat. We could pull that old trailer. Rhonda says, we could distract them. Miguel says, set off Walter's tractor as the roof caves in. Earl wins rock, paper, scissors, and Miguel fires the tractor up. Earl goes to make the run for the cat, but Val elbows him and takes off running after falling to the ground. The mower flips over and Val stops running as the graboid pursues Val now. Rhonda yells stop as the graboid emerges the earth by him. The group begins to make racket by shit-talking the graboid. Rhonda kicks a water pipe that bursts water all over the ground, distracting it from Val. Val gets to the cat and fires it up. He hooks up the trailer as the graboid knocks over the ladder from Rhonda's water tower. Yahoo! Val yells as he drives the cat towards them. And the next set of scenes are the ending. What do you think, Brian? Yeah, so I can't believe it's taken me half of this, you know, review to even bring this up. And, and I know Dustin touched on it last week whenever, or the week before, whenever we did Jurassic Park. But Ariana Richards, you know, two-time DGOT veteran just this month even. You know, and she did... Mm-hmm. Uh, she did Tremors and Jurassic Park in less than three years. I'd say that's pretty decent for a filmography resume there. But a really cool fun fact that I personally didn't know until doing research for this movie, but you know, especially knowing the budget that I know we'll hit on later, but they built this entire town full scale. Now the interior sets they built 
you know, the only two that they built were the store and, and Burton and Heather's basement. But that plus, you know, making that store where it could move and, of course, be destroyed. Big props there. You know, I, I'm still very impressed with that. Um, something else I read for the set of scenes is where uh, where Rhonda has to get out of her pants to escape the barbed wire before that uh, graboid eats her there. Finn, Finn Carter intentionally wouldn't rehearse the scene. You know, she said that... Uh, she said that way, you know, the response that she gives to having to undress in front of Kevin fucking Bacon was authentic. So uh, I thought that was pretty cool to know, too. So Chang's kill, man, it's fucking awesome. Like, it's my favorite of the movie. I love how it kind of swerves back and forth, you know, before, you know, pulling before like the, the graboid pulls him back underground. That's nearly identical to that Quint kill in Jaws. Um, but I think it looks awesome, and I think this obviously marks the spot where you know, where the movie really amps up. You know, I love this. I love this scene with Joe and Steve. I mean, I'm sorry, Burton, Burton, uh, Reba, Heather, uh, in the basement. If you watch the uh, behind the scenes and see how they switched between that full scale graboid head and and the miniature, like it's almost seamless, and and it's done many times. It's it's pretty damn cool. It's pretty damn cool, actually. Um, the only thing I hate here is the stupid shot where you can tell that it's green screen that Bert is shooting at. And I don't even understand why you would even do that because you have a full scale model head. You're, you're literally using the entire rest of these scenes like that makes it makes no sense to me. You know, somebody ask Ron Underwood for me, if you don't mind. Uh, I mean, there's there's shots all around this thing from different angles uh, while they're shooting at it. I just I'm not sure the purpose of that one scene with the green screen. So anyway. Just that and redubbing Kevin Bacon to say Mother Humper is is like my biggest nitpicks of this of this set of scenes for sure. Go ahead, man. I don't mind Mother Humper. I think it's funny, but no. um, especially when his mouth is saying blankly saying "fucker" and it's just Humper. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I, I don't stare at Kevin Bacon's mouth. Maybe that's just you, but oh, I do. Uh. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Sorry, that's Kevin Bacon. Um, but now. Uh, this this set of scenes really made me realize that this movie is pretty much the same premise of a quiet place. Like, there was definitely some inspiration drawn there, right? Like, no oh, noise, yeah, they sure. can't hear you. No vibrations, it's got to be totally silent. And then, uh, you know, even the the look a little bit, like you could see it, how it kind of the mouth opens up or the face opens up, and there's more to it. I don't know. That's a that was an interesting revelation for me. Um, now, how the hell did she get rolled up in that barbed wire like that? She tripped over it. Next thing you know, it's wrapped around her uh, legs like it's uh, mankind's barbed wire bat. What the fuck is that? But uh, and then it's like, okay, you got to get out your pants. Like, I see what you're doing here. Like, you just put <laughs> that in there to get a little panty scene in it. Okay, I get it. That and but, no uh, bra. Yeah, Underwood absolutely knew what he was doing. Yeah. But, um, you know, then... Uh, what's what's the name? Chang. His uh, his death was cool, but man, Rocky Colton Tum Tum would never let Grandpa Mori go out like that. Man, they just let him let him go, let him get swallowed up like that. But I agree, that was a really cool death because it was the only one that we got to see like him in the mouth, and it, it was it was really well done. That was awesome. Um, to me, it uh, it did drag out a little too long here when them just not listening to and trusting Val, um, you, you know, but it, it shows a part, it serves a purpose because we got to see a shit ton of gunshots here, 
but uh, Bert and you know, just come on. That that scene just went on a little bit too long for me. But the rest of this set of scenes to me is just nothing more than a fun cat and mouse game. There's nothing groundbreaking, nothing terrible that stood out to me. I know you had a beef with the uh, the dubbing, like you said, but uh, you know it is what it is. I get why they did it. They want to get the uh, take out the uh, the cuss words there. You can't have the f words in the PG 13s but um, you know there's just nothing groundbreaking, nothing terrible. It's just kind of filler, but it's still fun to watch. I mean, I know they made it PG thirteen to kind of attract more audience, but. I mean, as we'll get to the box office, maybe they should have made it R. (laughs) I don't know. But then again, it might not have had the cult classic, you know. uh, I wouldn't have been able to watch it, uh, allowed to watch it as a kid if it was rated R. Let's put it that way. (laughs) I got to agree with you, Dustin. I thought Mother Humper was hilarious, to be honest. All right, here's the ending, y'all. Rhonda dives into the bucket and into the cab with Val. They celebrate when they realize the Graboid can't stop the cat. Bert and Rhonda are making some dynamite as Val and the trailer pull up. The cat begins to sink into the ground as Bert and Rhonda take too long to load their stuff up. They jump into the trailer and drive off again. There we go, solid rock, Bert yells as we see the mountains. Miguel says maybe they gave up as we see some activity going on across the horizon. Suddenly, the cat falls into the ground. They dug a trap. Val and Earl open fire on it, and Bert lights a bomb and drops it on the Graboid. The Graboids head back towards them, and Val says, We gotta run to the rocks. Rhonda says, What if we throw a bomb towards the way we want to go, and we run like goddamn bastards? Pardon my French. Bert gives Melvin a gun as he launches a bomb. The group exits the trailer and runs towards the rocks. Melvin fires the gun and finds out that it's empty. They all make it to the rock just in time. Bert jokes with Melvin, It got him moving though, didn't it? Earl says, that's it. We're not going to get off this rock. Heather calls them out for giving up. Bert calls Val and Earl screw-ups for dragging them way out here without food and water. Heather calms Bert down and says he does think he knows everything. Bert says when it comes down to starvation, he's going to walk out to the middle and blow himself up. Earl says he has an idea. Val lights the fuse and Earl tosses it out into the ground. The bomb blows up, killing the graboid as his guts land all over the rock. They throw more rocks trying the same tactic. Val launches the bomb and they hide out. The Graboid grabs the bomb but launches it back at the rock they're on. The bomb lands on all the other bombs, detonating them all. The Graboid chases Val, Earl, and Rhonda as the others make noise to try and distract it. Val says, this one ain't falling for it. It ain't dumb. I'm going to go for it, Val says. He takes off running and yells, I got a goddamn plan. They stop at the edge of the cliff and they ignite the fuse. Val tosses the bomb and it explodes and they dive out the way as the Graboid falls below to the ground, exploding itself. Val says it suddenly hit me, you know. Stampede. Earl laughs, and they walk away. They put some new tires on the truck and say they can make more money on this. They're going to contact National Geographic. Rhonda takes their picture, and Val takes down the other pictures of Tammy Lynn Baxter as Rhonda walks up. She thanks him for saving her life. Val chases her down and kisses her in the middle of the road, and in credits roll as Reba McIntyre plays. Brian, what did you think about the ending? Oh, man, I liked the ending. Uh, and <laughs> I have to say, the first time that I watched it and, you know, they were fishing with the dynamite, I was like, oh, man, like, it's not going to be this easy, is it? Uh, but then it spits it back out of them, and I was like, yes, here we go. Uh, you know, and there, there's some beautiful shots uh, underground, 
And, you know, kind of how Dustin touched on earlier, you know, the scenery, how it's backing out as they kind of approach the cliff. I thought that was a beautiful, great shot right there as well. Um, and I also love how, how you think they're home free, you know, and then they find out, bam, the Graboids dug a trap for them, you know. Now, it did make me laugh when they were running and Bert still gave little dipshit a gun, but it didn't load it. And you know, had the, the argument between them all. Like I said, just when you think you're home free and then that's the end of the movie. I, I also love how uh, the Stampede came back into play as well right at the end. Great movie. You know, apparently it wasn't in the original script uh, for them to end up together and, and kissing either. So after some test screenings, they had to kind of go back and make that happen, giving the audience what they wanted. And um, I think they did a good job. I liked the ending. Yeah, absolutely. Um, first of all, when he tells Melvin... Um, I wouldn't give you a gun if it was World War Three. That's the second time World War Three had been mentioned during this movie. So, like, I know it's the early '90s. I guess it's there's some stuff going on in the world, but that was interesting to me. Like two World War Three specific references in this movie. Um, but man, Melvin sucks. Like, I would sacrifice him. I I would find a way to be like, oh, we got to get away. Let's kick this little bastard off the rock and get out of here because he is on my last nerve. But also, I noticed. I don't know if you noticed, but. When they gave him the gun, did he not open it? Like it's it's a revolver. He looked to see if it was loaded, and then closed it, and then went to shoot, and it was empty. Like, what an idiot! Anyway, you know when I first saw him on screen, you know who I thought he was. I thought he was the older older brother on the Wonder Years. That's who I thought was playing him. Oh, uh, like, Jason oh, Hervey. I, hmm. I don't even know that. That's his name. He's just the older brother on the You're Wonder welcome. Years. There you go. Nice. Um. I love the fishing concept. I thought it was that was a stroke of genius there to you know fish for him and reel him in there. That was cool. Uh, and then Val's plan to run it off the cliff was even more genius. And it's awesome that Val's the one that came up with it because he'd been a bumbling idiot basically the entire movie, right? And so it was cool that he was the one that had the idea that saved the day. Um, I think it's a it's just a feel good ending with everybody that we like, um, you know, making it and. The guy gets the girl, and the trimmers are all dead. Uh, it's a pretty cool effect uh, as it splattered everywhere, and it looked like Nickelodeon yeah. came out of it because that was very <laughs> orange. Um, it was just, I, I think it's a feel-good ending to a fun movie. All righty, guys. Y'all got any final thoughts before you just jump into social media comments and questions? Oh, all right. Let's get it. Let's do it. Uh, let's, let's knock out Facebook first. Kyleen Gill Johnson commented, I love this movie and am too embarrassed as how many times I've watched it. Looking forward to listening to y'all cover it. Appreciate that. Uh, like Brian mentioned earlier, uh, Joe Swinford, big fan of the show, commented, proof that literally anything can be settled with rock, paper, scissors. I don't see anything wrong with that. <laughs> or a good thumb war, maybe. True. Uh, Kevin Potoff commented, now you are talking. This was such a surprise of a movie back in 90. Kevin Bacon and Fred Ward have amazing chemistry in this movie. Very convincing as best friends. Can't recommend enough. Showing go. love to your movie pick, Dustin. I like it. Good. Right, let's jump over to Instagram now. Another big fan of the show, Hambrick 88 I love Tremors. This and Friday the 13th was the first movie that saw Kevin Bacon in. And since then, he has been one of my favorite actors. Can't wait to listen to this episode. Appreciate that, brother. Uh, Missy Hutchinson-Wall, legendary blood donor. She commented, love Tremors with a bunch of exclamation marks. Now, on the opposite side, Jesse Craft commented she's never saw this, so I'll recommend all my all of our American listeners. It's free on Peacock, so check it out. It's definitely worth a watch. Check out the cock. Peacock. Peacock. <laughs> yeah. Peacock. Yeah, the cock. 
Chris underscore 2020 commented, one of the best PG-13 F-bombs in cinema, plus the practical monsters still look great. I'll agree with you. And if you watch the kill count on uh, for Dead Meat, the behind the scenes and all the work they put into it is absolutely incredible for this movie, honestly. Uh, Elbow.Tyler commented, uh, just the most famous line of this movie, if you ask me. Broke into the wrong goddamn rec room, didn't you? Great line. Uh, my friend Jeff DeGamarino, he commented, I remember seeing this in the theaters. I always wish we could have gotten a real true sequel with both Bacon and Ward. I think we'd all like to see that, but now, rest in peace to the great Fred Ward. Yeah. Right, let's jump over to uh, Twitter now. This is the last one. Uh, Matt Sears commented, love this one. Classic popcorn movie. Sit back and have fun and don't take it too serious. I think that's perfect advice, brother. Yep. Uh, Sean Irwin, um, who Brian mentioned earlier. <laughs> One of my favorite franchises and one of the few monster movies where everyone makes smart decisions. Can't wait. I think I would agree with that. I think everybody did make smart decisions for the most part. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kevin Scanlon commented, it's been a while since I've seen this one, but it's definitely an entertaining watch. Is Bert the consistent, the consensus best character, or do you guys like someone else more? I'm a Val guy. Yeah. It's either Val or Earl to me, man. I think it's them together. Yeah, I, I would agree, but Bert and Heather are great as well. I, I would probably agree that Val and Earl are two best, just because they're li- they're so fucking hilarious to me. Oh yeah, they're great together. <laughs> the chemistry is is great. <laughs> I love when Earl's like, "This pisses me off." <laughs> <laughs> All right, Randy Smith commented, "Can't go wrong with Kevin Bacon or Fred Ward. Rest in peace." Once again, another great pick for the month. When a quiet place is the worst movie of the month. You can't complain in the words of the great Billy Bob. It's a 10, a fucking 10. <laughs> uh, Hernandez Gunn, he commented, I remember watching this when it first came out. It scared me so much looking back on it. Now I'm like, how did this scare me? <laughs> oh, I get it as a kid. Short circuit scared me as a kid. Like that, that still bothers me. I was like, anyway. <laughs> Our last two comments we got is one is from uh, Mookie. Uh, he commented, one of the most consistent horror franchises, all bangers. I can't speak on that. I'll let Brian. Brian, Brian disagrees with you, though, brother. And, hey, you uh, know, really, though, if you look at the IMDb ratings for this franchise, I think, like I said, there's eight, if I'm not mistaken, and the lowest rating is a 5.2. That's not bad, actually, for eight films. Yeah, I don't I don't understand how that's possible. No, I mean, I, two, yeah. Two is actually really good because it's actually they used a high, a big budget, and you can kind of tell like it looks like it should have been like this one released in the theaters, and I think they were going to, but you know, I mean, it had a couple of them come back. You know, it, it's just, it, I mean, it was kind of a lot of the same thing. They even had like a new type of graboid called the Ass Blasters. It's like seriously, seriously, <laughs> and it like shot fire out of its ass when it farted. Like, like ser- that's that's what you're dealing with the rest of the franchise. Hey man, so, we've uh, all eaten Taco Bell. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And the last comment we got is just from good friend of the show, Lamar Lovelace. Shout out to him; he's a great guy. He just commented, "Let's go!" with an exclamation mark, and that's the perfect comment to leave it off on. All right, let's jump this, into this. Might be my my most universally loved pick I've ever made on this show. <laughs> You're probably right. <laughs> it might be, brother. Uh, even let's Kevin Potoff liked it. Incredible. Yeah, he, he, you know you're doing all right if he likes it. But then <laughs> right. again, he liked Taurus Trap as well. Respectfully, respectfully. <laughs> let's uh, let's jump into fun facts. Uh, Brian, Dusty, you have any? I don't have any for tonight. I've got a few. I don't know how many you have. Dusty, I got a few. But... 
Um, I'll, I'll, I guess, let's see, I got three, I think. Valentine's belt buckles in the shape of a heart, if you didn't notice. Nice little touch there. Uh, Burt's 1989 GMC Jimmy was actor Michael Gross's personal vehicle. And uh, uh, let's see, two other ones. The original screenplay included an additional perfection resident, Viola, who was a nagging, hateful old lady who mostly stayed to herself. Um, she also had an aggressive Rottweiler that barked constantly. Uh, she meets her demise during the first attack when a graboid breaks through the floor of her house and eats her off screen. Um, it's never really actually been officially stated as to why her character was excluded from the film. But, I mean, hey, sounds good. Um, and lastly, the working titles for the film were Beneath Perfection, Dead Silence, and Land Sharks before the filmmakers decided on Tremors. Okay. So uh, the original design for the graboid... Uh, had a protective casing that would protect their heads and, you know, kind of slide back and forth. But someone in the studio said this will not be a movie about giant dicks chasing people in the desert because uh, apparently it looked like an uncircumcised penis. S.S. <laughs> um, <laughs> Wilson said that he got the idea for the film while he was working for the U.S. Navy in the California desert. While resting on a rock, he imagined what it might be like if something under the ground kept him from getting off the rock. So there's kind of a peek behind the curtain what inspired the movie. Um, Bill Paxton, Matthew Modine, or Modine, Bruce Campbell, uh, they were all offered the role of Val. Uh, Brent Maddock envisioned Burt being played by Chuck Norris or Clint Eastwood. So that's kind of fun to think about, like, what could have been. And also a couple more, uh, Ray Liotta and John Voight were uh, considered for the roles of Val and Earl, respectively. So that would have been interesting. Um and lastly, since Mike's not here to do it, I've got the budget information. Uh, budget for the movie was $11 million. It only made $3.7 million the opening weekend and was considered a flop. However, it was wildly popular on VHS. And uh, the f- film would go on to make over $16 million worldwide. And see, that's crazy because, you know, VHS weren't that expensive. So the fact that it made millions off VHS sales, that's crazy. Yeah. And like I said, it was either USA or TNT. One of them was kicking some money trimmers away because that fucking movie was on all the time back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. That reeks of USA in my opinion. Just, I don't know. It just feels like I a USA it movie. It does. It does. I'm pretty I sure it was. Right. To all of our uh, younger listeners, USA is a TV station. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Our not, younger not listeners know because they, they still watch Money Night Raw on USA. Okay. That's fair enough. All right, guys, let's jump into our favorite kill, least favorite kill in the rating. Uh, I'll just go first tonight, Brother Dustin. Okay. Um, I didn't write anything tonight. i just just going off my head. Uh, favorite kill is Walter Chang. I think it. I have to agree. with. I think it looks great. Um, I'm sorry my Asian brother went down, but it was a good-looking kill, and it was cool to see someone inside of the grab boy's mouth. It was very cool. Least favorite kills, I mean, I dead meat. They chose the two Cal Nev. Uh, workers who are off screen. I'm not going to go that wa- that route. I want to go with uh, the road workers who was just killed off screen, drug away by uh, the jackhammer. I'm going to go with that guy. And like I said earlier, first time I watched this movie, I really wasn't a fan of it. Like I was just like, oh God, this did not live up to the hype uh, that I w- had built up. But you know, I rewatched this movie two or three times the past week, and I just laugh more and more each time. It's just hilarious. I, mean, I think Fred Ward's hilarious. Kevin Bacon, the way he talks in his movies, found the ass end of it. I don't know. It's hilarious to me. Uh, just a great cast overall. 
uh, you know, some things I don't really like is I feel like there's some inconsistencies with the vibrations and this graboid attacking. I, I feel like there's some inconsistencies in that, but, you know, yeah. you're really nitpicking at that point. But, you know, this is a review podcast and that's what we do. But I gave it a seven and a half, which is about two and a half, three points higher than what it would have been if I only watched it that first time. Okay. So I will go next and I will read Brother Mike's summary. Um, this is, quote, the voice of Mike Settle. Man, I forget how much I like this film. This is my favorite Kevin Bacon film, even over Footloose. Fred Ward is hilarious and Reba holds her own. She plays the perfect survivor in this film. You're welcome. Um, I think the film, I think the desert setting is a lot of fun and very different for what we mostly see on the show. I love the way the grab boys look pretty damn good. The name of the creature I could give or take. And I think the effects on the kills hold up. Okay. The only real negative is that there isn't enough of the grab boys eating people. This is a fun watch and nostalgic watch. This is one of the few movies we've done. I saw as a kid and I like it way more now because I was a little bitch. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't expecting to read that um <laughs> i didn't read this beforehand so that was funny um <laughs> and he says if you're reading this one please use the occasional stutter to make it more authentically me um as far as his kills go his favorite kill was walter chang it was almost humorous and uh he lo- for some reason i love it uh, least favorite kill any of the off-screen kills and for his rating he gave it an 8.5 Wow, you read his in like a normal voice, but yet whenever I put in that, when you read mine, wow. I read yours in, wow. That, was, that was your voice. I don't know. Oh, I, was it? Oh I was possessed. God. I felt like Zool. <laughs> huh? Huh? Um, all right, I'll go. Um, my least favorite death, I, I said Megan and Jim. I won't harp on that. Rest in peace. Um, my favorite death, Chang. Uh, look, I I love almost everything about this movie. It still holds up today. Dustin brought it up earlier. I know a lot of people classify it as a B monster movie, and and I know that's what's you know inspired the screenplay. But I think it's much better than that. Um, you know, I didn't say it, but I also wanted to point out like how much I love that they don't tell you where the monsters came from. Like, there's no explanation. In fact, it like lets you kind of guess along with with the, with all the characters of perfection and. Speaking of perfection, I can't give it a 10. There were a few problems I pointed out, you know, that, that kind of keeps it from that. But uh, I will go high and I'll give this bad boy a very respectable nine. Nice. Okay. So, um, as for me, uh, my favorite, start with the kills. My favorite kill was Chang as well. Uh, we finally, we actually get to see him in the mouth of the grab boy and he gets pulled under. So that was cool to see. My least favorite, yeah, I could have went with one of the off screen deaths, but. You know, honestly, Fred's severed head just, it didn't <laughs> look good the first time, you know, the first view. And then camera pans away and comes back and it looks better, sure. But, and also it just didn't make sense that the Graboids would just leave the head like that. Like they weren't <laughs> trying to leave clues. So that one was a little illogical as well. But as for the movie, I love it. Like I said, I used to watch this movie with my dad when I was a kid. Um, and then just any time throughout the years it's on, I'm watching it. Um, I own the movie. Uh, definitely watched it on the cock as well. So spend some time this week cock watching and check this movie out. Um, I highly recommend it. I gave the movie, I didn't expect to be the third highest score on this movie, to be honest with you, but I gave it an 8.25. Oh, shit. And Look for at the your composite boy being the rating, highest. 
I know. For the composite, that gives it an 8.3125. What did you watch this on again, Dustin? The don't cock. say it. <laughs> you, don't, you don't cock watch? No, I don't. No, I don't. Oh, you, you probably own it on Laserdisc, right? On Laserdisc? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, any more final thoughts on Tremors? Great pick, Dustin. Thanks, yeah, man. It was. I got to be honest hey. with you. I didn't. I didn't expect anyone to like this movie as much as me. And then hell, you and Mike like, or you and Brian liked it. No, I guess Mike and Brian liked it more than me. You were a little less, but not much. Like this is awesome. All right. I I was shocked that Nico gave a seven point five. That's a very from what I expected. Y'all don't y'all don't believe in me at all. Oh Hurts please, my can't wait till tomorrow. No, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm not gonna hate. I'm not gonna hate on it, but it ain't gonna be no damn ten. Uh, all right. Anywho, uh, any final thoughts on Tremors before we just shout out our blood donors? And Brian, you can announce your pick. All right, let's shout out our blood donors. Uh, can't stress it enough. We really appreciate y'all. Uh, take a big burden off of us. Helps us out a lot to make this podcast. It's not cheap or free to make a decent sounding podcast. Upload these videos to YouTube. Do these giveaways. So, really appreciate y'all. Our camper-level recurring do- blood donors are Clayton J., Nina, Michelle Mirza, Andrew Ferguson, Carrie Adams, the Horror Movie Crew Podcast. Check those guys out. Alex Seligson, Eric Doolittle, and Sean Irwin. Our camp counselor recurring blood donors are Hunter Nelson, Dennis Kennedy, Edwin Hernandez-Gunn, Joe Swinford, Jennifer Davis from the Too Close to Home Podcast. If you like true crime, check them out. Heather Smith, Kylie Denise, all the way from Australia, and Adrian Aiello. Our legendary blood donor we have film review to do for is Michael Azelson, and we are shooting on tackling that episode next week. And our final guide donors we have movie reviews to do for are Christian Cunningham and Matt Sears. Just want to thank all our, our blood donors. Really appreciate y'all. I can't stress that enough. It really means the world to us that y'all will uh, help us out financially in these tough times. Uh, Brian, you want to announce your uh, pick next week in slash birthday pick? Yeah, so it's actually my pick to uh, uh, for the theme of the month, and being that it's so close to October, I kind of just decided to go with a freelance month, so everybody can kind of, you know, get their picks in, and, and before we before we really tackle uh, the the big month for us, and uh, I, I was supposed to be my pick and my birthday pick next week. We had some schedule changes, so I'm just gonna kind of combine it into one. So it's my pick slash birthday pick, like you said. I'm going with Ghostbusters Afterlife, um, which really wasn't going to be a freelance pick, but it was really just going to be a birthday pick because usually we'll just do whatever we want. And I, you know, it's, it's, is it horror really? You know, I, it's, it's kind of like this one, you know, it's going to be in the comedy realm. It's a little bit more horror than, than you would think, I guess. But anyway, I love it. Ghostbusters Afterlife, Ghostbusters 3, the GOAT franchise. Well, technically it's Ghostbusters 4, right? No, no, it's not. It's Ghostbusters <laughs> 3, actually. And you know that. Don't be an asshole. <laughs> you go to a horror convention, you're going to see Ghostbusters stuff anywhere. But uh, anyway, <laughs> it's been real fun tonight, fellas. I appreciate y'all. Y'all have a good, good night. <laughs> Just want to remind everybody. <laughs> <laughs>